It is the Preacher's Podcast for the third Sunday in Advent in year A. Today we continue our series, Come Lord Jesus. In this series, we are looking uh, at our Savior's Advent from four angles. Come Lord Jesus as King, as Judge, as Messiah, as Emmanuel. Today we are at the third Sunday, Come Lord Jesus as Messiah. I'm John Mitchell from Wisconsin Lutheran Seminary. Our preachers for this series are Pastor John Scharf from Abiding Grace Lutheran Church in Covington, Georgia, and Pastor Joel Heckendorf, who serves Light of the Valleys Lutheran Church in Reno, Nevada. And with us for today's episode is Pastor James Tiefel, uh, formerly of Wisconsin Lutheran Seminary, now serving Trinity and St. John's in Mequon, Wisconsin. Well, Joel Heckendorf, our worship series uh, this uh, Advent is Come Lord Jesus, and today's theme is Come Lord Jesus as Messiah. Kick things off for us today by talking a little bit about that theme of the week. Sure, thanks, John. Uh, just the whole Advent theme that we've been looking at, you know, the last couple of weeks here is Come Lord Jesus carries with it a sense of expectation, but I think especially with this title, Messiah, it's it has a lot to do with expectations. You know, you think of the Old Testament believers, are you the Messiah? Are you the Messiah? Um, and what is so often the case, um, expectations that we each have differ, just like Old Testament believers, their idea of a what that Messiah would be uh, was, was different from one another and different from Scripture. And, and so, too, when we think of where we are, maybe, you know, getting really close to Christmas here, we have different expectations of what's going to happen this season. Maybe as preachers, we have certain expectations of worship. As family members, we have certain expectations for gifts or people have expectations from us. And the reality is um, expectations aren't always met. Uh, and you, you pair that with what the expectations were for Jesus as the Messiah. Jesus maybe didn't always necessarily meet the people's expectations, but I, I would say a key point to draw out that while maybe Jesus didn't meet their expectations or what they needed in a Messiah, the truth is he exceeded, he exceeded the expectations. Uh, he, he, he met the expectations laid out in scriptures. And so he points here how I fulfill what the scriptures said about what the Messiah would do and what the Messiah would be. And so I, I think um, how, how this theme really plays out is don't, don't put the Messiah into your own box and say, he's got to fit this picture, but put him into the box of scripture and, and lay that out. Like God wrap up the box. You might say, wrap up the present that we see mm -hmm. in the Messiah. Right. Right. Let God set the expectations uh, and fulfill them, exceed them. As you said, uh, John Scharf, we'll turn to you next for a quick summary of the readings for today, uh, particularly the first and second readings, since we'll be focusing on the gospel as our sermon text. So your thoughts about the relationship between the readings for this Sunday? Yeah, thank you. Um, for our, our first lesson, we got the third Isaiah reading in a row. Uh, and in all of them, we have these sections picturing the peace in the Messiah's kingdom. This one, you know, gives the promise of the blind seeing, the deaf hearing, lame leaping, mute shouting, uh, to which Jesus points in the gospel as he answers John's question, you know, are you this coming one? Um, well, 
Jesus says, what, what did Isaiah say? So we have a, a very clear tie-in uh, there. Uh, the psalm gives notice that the, the Lord feeds the hungry, sets prisoners free, gives sight to the blind, lifts up the bowed bow down. Um, that's the one we can trust in, not the, the human princes who can save. So that also ties nicely in um, with, with that idea of, of uh, who is this um, coming one. Uh, and then the second reading fits in because, well, in the gospel, you have some doubt being wrestled with. Uh, it finds its answer in Jesus. James tells us, uh, be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. And he gives the example of Job, who would have had plenty of apparent reasons to doubt God's goodness as he suffered so much loss and insult, and God took care of him. Uh, Jesus answered John's doubt, and, and God's faithful to us. So, uh, yeah, you see, you see a nice interplay between the three. Great, thank you. And um, let me mention it while I'm thinking of it. Hymn 307, um, when the king shall come again, is kind of a paraphrase of Isaiah 35, 1 to 10. Um, if you want to work that into your service somewhere, brings out those images that are in the Isaiah reading and then um, will be referred to uh, in the Matthew reading as well. Um, set to a, what we know as an Easter tune, but um, I think a good addition to the Advent season. Um, Jim Tiefel, I'll now turn things over to you to get us thinking more about our sermon text for this week, the Gospel of the Day, Matthew 11. 2 through 11. So I'll just turn things over to you, highlight whatever you'd like to highlight um, to get us and preachers thinking about this text and how to approach it uh, homiletically. If you have your Bibles in front of you, um, you'll notice how the text breaks down. I, I, I thought it was really interesting when I started studying this text that the historic um, lectionary, what we have now in the one-year lectionary, includes for this pericope only 1 through 10. So it actually ends at verse 10. This is the one about whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. So it, it, really, it really is a focus on John, but the, the, the ILCW lectionary, which is what we have kind of, um, includes 11. I tell you the truth, among those born of women, there is not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. And then it adds, yet he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. So you have to kind of, you kept kind of wrestle with that and where that, that last part of verse 11 takes you. And if you read ahead from 12 to 19, then you kind of see where it takes you. It takes you into the, into the New Testament era. So I, that, that concept then formed my thinking about how I would approach this text. Um, I think that if I, if I was preaching just on one to six, or maybe even on one to 10, I would probably be thinking more about identifying the doubts that John seems to have had. Although it, it, it's kind of strange that the, the more historic exegetes say that John was simply expressing the doubts of his disciples and not necessarily his doubts, Luther included. Um, the more contemporary commentators give a whole list of things that John could be doubting about. What seems to be their consensus is, is that for all of the talk that John did about 
the coming Savior's judgment, he hasn't, he hasn't done that yet. And John wonders, is that still coming? Are you still the one who I prophesied about? I'm not so sure in, in the way I approach the text that that makes a difference. What, whether John was talking for his disciples or whether he was talking for himself, I think what makes a difference is that John knew where to go. And that was to send his disciples to Jesus. So that's the critical point. Um, the second half of the text seems to talk to us about where we fit in. John was the greatest um, among those born of women, but John was the end of an era. He, um, he was the last of the prophets. He was the forerunner of the Savior. But now, he was in, now, now the Savior was there. John was in prison. Some of John's disciples had already started following Jesus. So you're at you're an end of something, end of a great something, but at the end of something. And now Jesus says, now it's time to look ahead. And those who are part of my kingdom um, are going to see things that John never saw. They are going to see the completion of the plan of salvation and, and to see what's coming. So I saw as a malady in this sermon, the unclarity and the occasional unwillingness to assess what the fruits of repentance are in my own life. And I saw as the cure that Jesus clarifies this with his words to John, to John, where he says that he is the one that was, was coming, and his words about John, that he was the greatest and that those in his New Testament kingdom are greater. So the structure that I, that I am thinking about as I think about preaching this text is to ask people to look beyond Christmas, which is the situation that we have in the text, looking beyond the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And, um, and then, first of all, my role as a person who lives in the New Testament era is to be to, to know I must know who Jesus is. I have to understand that Jesus is the answer to every question. Whatever my doubts or whatever my situation, the first thing that I have to be sure of is who Jesus is. And the second thing I have to be sure of is to know who I am as someone who is now a part of the New Testament kingdom, what is my role? Um, looking ahead to 12 and following, part of my role is to, is to cling to that kingdom with zeal. And I think part of that role is to take over where John left off and to be someone who proclaims that good news in, in, in my life. So my, my thought is then uh, to conclude my concept is to, is to pose the question to the congregation, what do I do next? What comes after this Advent celebration? We're all leading for Christmas. What comes after it? And the first point I want to make is that I have to know who Jesus is. As John was, whatever John was thinking, he, know, he knew where to go. 
and that was to Jesus. And secondly, I have to know who I am. And that is someone who Jesus says is greater than John, not, not by stature, but by privilege and by, by position, because now I have the ability to understand how the plan of salvation was fulfilled. That's kind of where I'm thinking of going with this text. Great, thank you. Yeah, so situating ourselves uh, as ones who need to really respond to that question, what comes next, um, as John and his disciples did. Um, great. Uh, well, I'll turn it over now to uh, to John and to Joel, or their kind of approaches to the text, or reactions to what uh, what Jim has presented for us as a structure for a sermon. Um, Joel, would you like to go first? Uh, just give some thoughts and response to that or your own uh, ideas that have come so far in your study? Sure. You know, I, I think even that, that first part of what was suggested there is know who Jesus is. You know, can it, it drives us back to the word. And that's where I would maybe see some of the malady is that we can get caught up instead of going after Christmas you know, maybe even staying in this time before Christmas, what are we looking for in the Savior of the at, that we're going to visit in a, a little more than a week? Or what are we what are we expecting Jesus to do in my life right now? And and maybe the malady is that I am caught up by my own thinking. I am caught up by what the world thinks, and I I need to go back uh, to the Word. When John was saying, "Who are you?" Jesus said, "Well, I I fulfill this. I fulfill this. I fulfill the." you know, all those things. And so I would see that maybe as the malady, um, the fallen condition that we have maybe gotten away from who Jesus is scripturally. And, and so then, then the cure is, is just that. And the application is just that to, to rededicate ourselves in this time of busyness or, okay, if we're going to talk about what comes after Christmas, then let's let's use that maybe as a jumping off point. I am going to dedicate myself to say, what does the word say? And and maybe specifically setting some, you know, dig into scripture uh, to to um, you know contemplate. Oh yeah, just Jesus is a little baby born in manger. But could I really take on a study of John one, for example, on Christmas Day? Could I um, and and just immerse ourselves in the the depth of the incarnation and and who Jesus is over the next couple of weeks i i would see as as some of the applications of straying away from the word and just going with tradition mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and i think jim addressed that in his first section right, right. i must know who jesus right. is just emphasizing that um uh, and it fits in with what you said uh, at the outset, Joel, about the expectations. Yeah, where are they at? And they get to be all over the place. So God, through the word, reorienting us, focusing us once again on who his son is. Um, John, uh, your thoughts as you take a look at this text or like to react to something Joel or Jim has said? Um, yeah, what comes to mind as you think about preaching this text? Yeah, I, my thoughts were very much along uh, the lines of, of what Joel just described as far as the malady and, and the cure for that. I, I like 
um, Jim's uh, approach looking forward, you know, what, what comes next. Um, but I think for me, the, the big thing again is, is that identity, um, which Jim mentioned too, that, you know, if I understand who Jesus is, um, and my expectations are aligned with the word, then I'm going to understand who I am as one greater, even than John, because of the, the privilege God has given me to, to, uh, see the fulfillment of those promises, uh, in the word, you know, a couple of things that, uh, caught my attention doing the text study were, um, the specific names chosen. So, uh, um, you know, John hearing in prison, the works of the Christ, um, you know, the, the tie in doesn't say, didn't, it doesn't say he heard what Jesus was doing, but, uh, what, what the Christ was doing, uh, again, a reminder of, of who, who he is, you know, are you the coming one, you know, kind of, uh, I guess, you know, Malachi three, the messenger of the covenant coming, the blessed is the one coming in the name of the Lord, Psalm 118. Um, and then in, in 11, uh, Jesus calls him John the Baptist. Um, this is the first time he's called John the Baptist in, you know, before it's just John uh, was in prison uh, in this text. He, he's called that before. Um, but uh, that just caught me, you know, that, that John's identity, um, the, the greatest thing ab about him was his connection to Christ, right? He, he was the one with the privilege of, of baptizing Christ. Um, so again, finding our identity in, um, in that relation with Christ and, and what he has done as the, the Messiah fulfilling the, the promises. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I, I guess I was, I guess I was just kind of by, when I say after Christmas, I don't necessarily mean just December 25th, right. but I mean that this whole, this whole thing that so many Christians get themselves involved with the, the manger seed and the and the oxes and the asses and the and and you know the, the cute stuff of Christmas and you know if you count Christmas as the starting place, what Joel said about coming to church on Christmas Day and hearing a sermon on John one is where you start. I mean, you know, to really understand the in, the incarnation, to know who Jesus is, and and then to make sure that 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 picture of Jesus remains paramount in your mind as, as you think about him in the in the in the days and the months after Christmas. Yeah. 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 This um text uh and we have this I think in all three years of the lectionary um two Sundays that focus on John the Baptist. And uh yeah this year it is last week kind of introducing him to us at the beginning of John's ministry. And now here it's at the very end of John's ministry. So yeah, that is a, a fascinating aspect of it. And as you mentioned before, Jim, verse 11, especially the latter part of verse 11, uh, kind of points us beyond um, John's ministry now to what Jesus is going to do. So right, what, what comes next and what is beyond um, the beginnings um, as we get beyond that? So yeah, kind of even using right where we are in the calendar uh, at Christmas time as an illustration of that. Well, this is not just the culmination of a big celebration that it's over. No, this is the beginning um, 
and viewing it as that, what's next, what's after Christmas in that sense. Um, yeah, uh, Jim, you mentioned the, the debate about did John doubt or was he sending his disciples who were doubting to Jesus? I remember the story of um, a Northwestern College student back in the day hearing in the classroom uh, from his professor with great enthusiasm, John did not doubt. He was sending his disciples who were doubting, but John did not doubt. And then the students from that class going to one of the local churches and hearing with just as much as an enthusiasm, John doubted from one of the local pastors. So, um, but I think you're right. I, I think it, either way you look at it, um, uh, it, it doesn't really change the, the text. In any case, they went to Jesus. Either John wanted his disciples on his behalf to go to Jesus with this question, or he knew where to send them if they were the ones having doubts. Um, so going to Jesus uh, is the key. Um, further thoughts about uh, yeah, illustrations, applications. I think you've all touched on that uh, in really helpful ways. Um, but for any further thoughts for preachers, um, for uh, illustration, application that you are kind of thinking about at this stage uh, that might help expand on either whether it's malady, cure, uh, goal of the sermon thoughts for what comes next um joel any anything you're thinking of that uh comes to mind beyond what you've said already well i think going along with the the id you know kind of jesus prove yourself in the world that we live that seems to be the prevailing question what kind of a god would allow such and such to happen you know, there's, there's always going to be things in the news. There's always going to be. And so, so Jesus, maybe that's where the faulty expectations would be. So I would pick something from current events of whatever it is at the time to use that as probably maybe an illustration, maybe an opening illustration of as Jesus let you down and we, we say, prove it. Um, or, yeah, or, or maybe think about how many times you get asked to show your ID. And sometimes it's a good thing and sometimes it's a negative thing, right? If Mr. Police Officer pulls you over on the side of the road and says, show me your ID. Oh, okay. Um, but if you get, you know, if you're, if you need to show your ID to claim a prize, all right, here it is. And, and how sometimes that identity question can be a positive or negative thing. And so just to make sure that it's kind of like we're asking Jesus to prove it. And, and here he shows John, he shows us his identity. And then, and then, yeah, use that as a jumping off point now to say, and now this is your identity. I, I like, I do like bringing that verse 11 in that how Jesus identity in the way that he fulfills scriptures just really changes our identity uh, to, to something that is greater than John. That's a, that's a neat, neat point. So I'd probably just use that ID picture throughout, okay. I, I think. Great. Yep. Uh, John, any, any thoughts you're thinking of as far as illustration application? Um, yeah. Um, haven't quite nailed it down yet, but, but something along, along the, uh, you know, the Joel mentioned it, the, the expectations, what are you expecting in, um, 
in, in various different things. There's that that email forward that uh, uh, I'd have to, I'll have to look and find it. But uh, you know, did did Jesus fail to to come when you rubbed the lantern? Then maybe Jesus isn't a, a genie. Did he fail to give you what he what you wanted? Then maybe he's not a vending machine. Did he? You know, what are you looking for in in him? Who is he to you? Um, he is the, the Messiah, the one who fulfilled the promises, the one who um, the one who did what I needed, uh, not always what I wanted. Um. But, you know, I, it, it's kind of interesting. I, I'm kind of a, it's fun to study the lectionary. So the historic lectionary introduced John the Baptist with, with Advent 3. The ILCW lectionary introduces John the Baptist on Advent 2. So in Matthew, you get the full story, not only of what John preached, but also the, you know, also the judgment calls, you know, the, the condemnations. In, and then for 3, you get this text. In the second, in B, you get Mark's identifying both who John is and the fruits of repentance. In C, you get Luke identifying who John is. And then on Advent 3, that's coming up this week, you get the fruits of repentance. So they had to stick John 11 in someplace because it was the historic, was the historic gospel for this day. So they put it onto Advent 3. So if you, if you, if you, Take Matthew and Mark and Luke to identify John's purpose and John's mission and his judgment. Then Advent 3 is talking about the fruits of repentance, what it means to repent. And I think that the inclusion of those who are least in the kingdom are greater than John identifies what the fruits of repentance are. They are to zealously chase membership in the kingdom and they are to proclaim the good news about jesus to others so i i think there's a when you when you preach these as you guys do as all of us do because we all have a vicar or maybe yeah joel does too um when you preach these in series in two you identify john's mission and the need to repent in three on advent three you identify how do I demonstrate this repentance in my life? Well, how does my life change now that Jesus has come into the world? And I think, I think John 11, with some searching, because you have to find it, allows you to do that, to identify what about me now? You know, what does my following the Savior mean as far as my life is concerned? Now that I'm a a member of the kingdom, and I'm greater than John as a member of the kingdom. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a, I think there's a connection there between all three years. Yeah, that is helpful to to think through. Uh, Advent two, um, here is John and his ministry. Um, Advent three, kind of it's John's ministry and message lived out um, among us. Uh, that emphasis a little bit more. Um, I think that is common to all three years in the lectionary. So yeah, that could be helpful, especially if, if you had focused on um, Matthew 3, 1 to 12 uh, last week and 
said a lot about John uh, already. Um, you could move on to this text and here, this is a different angle and yeah, take it, his message kind of uh, embodied in the Christian now moving forward. Um, so uh, theme ideas, we've heard Jim's, uh, what comes after Christmas. First of all, I must know who Jesus is. And secondly, I must know who I am. Um, Joel, John, uh, any theme ideas that you are uh, playing with at this time? Um, or too soon to tell? Uh, Joel, any ideas? Um, maybe something like, show me your ID or can I see your ID? Uh, we ask for it. Jesus shows it, and then, and then we have it, or something like that. Um, okay. if, you know, using that. Yeah, I don't know if it'd be a two or three parter that way. I mean, the the text breaks down into two parts, but if that if that el verse eleven takes on a a major emphasis, I could see it almost becoming a a three part. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the question uh, initially, who who is Jesus? Yeah. The answer, here's who Jesus is, and then here's who we are yeah. as members of the kingdom. So something great. like, yeah, show your ID here. Can I see your ID? Okay, great. Uh, John, any thoughts you're working with? Yeah, so I've got three or four sitting here in front of me on the page. Uh, last time I preached on this, it was uh, an answer for your doubt, and part one was see the promised one, and part two was see the promise. As I was wrestling with it this time, um, who are you? Um, and then, so first part, asking the question of Jesus, second part of John, third of, of us, um, who am I because of, because of that? Uh, or if I, if I go more with the, uh, uh, where's the, um, yeah, when life doesn't look like it should, uh, see who he is, see who you are, um, was, was the other one that I put down most recently. Still not sure which one I'm going to go with, but I, I appreciate some of the thoughts you guys have shared too, to as we wrestle. I think there's some interesting things in, in, in the exposition of seven and following. When you talk about John, I mean, I, I would think that I would think that I would start the second part of the sermon by describing John. Did you want to see a reed shaken by a wind? Did you want to see a king in, in royal clothes? Did you? Did you want to see, you know, the prophet? And, you know, then you explain John's situation or whatever. But I think then when you ask the question, how am, how do I, how am I greater than John in the New Testament kingdom? I think you can go back to that and talk about, I can be one who is, who is, is more than someone shaken by the wind. I can be one who is not concerned about pomp and circumstance. I could be one who is a prophet. So you can pick up on the exposition and use that in application. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good idea. So seeing um, as Jesus enabled John to be what he was, um, so Jesus enables us to be what we are and, and carry forth those fruits of repentance or fruits of this uh, new membership in the kingdom that he has given to us. Great. <laughs> All right. Well, any any final thoughts or anything uh, that has come to mind you'd like to add? Um, all right. 
if not, let's wrap it for there this week. Uh, we've given some preachers some uh, good things to think about with Matthew 11, 2 to 11. The Lord bless you all as you continue to uh, write your sermon and preach it <coughs> to the people that the Lord brings into your uh, church this coming Sunday. The Lord bless your message.